This is a broadcast of Holland United Church of Christ. At Holland UCC, we seek to open the mind and engage the heart. We are a community of justice, peace, and affirmation in Holland, Michigan, where everyone is welcome to the table. The Holy Gospel according to Mark chapter 1, Mark 1, 40 to 45. A leper came to Jesus, begging him, and kneeling, he said to him, If you choose, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I do choose, be made clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. After sternly warning him, he sent him away at once, saying to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priests and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded as a testimony to them. But he went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the word so that Jesus could no longer go into a town openly, but stayed out in the country and people came to him from every quarter. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, for the word of God within us. Thank you, Thank you God. Well, as already noted, today we celebrate that all of God's children are beautiful and beloved. And we say that knowing that too often throughout human history, we haven't always treated one another that way. In fact, very often throughout human history, we haven't treated one another that way. And sad to say, often the church has been a place where... That has been true. The church has been notorious for labeling people as for one reason or another. Not measuring up, not fitting in, or designated as otherwise unacceptable. And often the Bible is used to support such, such actions, isn't it? We know this. Probably been on the wrong side of that argument a few times. And so that can make people want to say, forget the Bible, forget it. It's going to be used as this weapon to cause so much hurt and so much harm. Forget the Bible. And I understand that. But I love the Bible. I love the Bible. I'm not ready to let it go. I'm not ready to let it go. Not ready to write it off. Because if we read carefully, we'll discover that folks are often using a misreading or a selective reading that doesn't bring in the wider scope and context and trajectory of where the scriptures are taking us. And if we look more closely, the Bible is again and again moving us toward liberation and healing. And there's usually no better place to look for this than the Gospels, where Jesus is up to one subversive activity or another. And let's be clear this morning that Jesus is recorded as having said zip, zero, nada about gay or trans folks. But that hasn't prevented people from putting words in Jesus' mouth, unfortunately. We have a beautiful saying in the UCC, the United Church of Christ, that God is still speaking. God is still speaking. In other words, you can't shut Jesus up. You can't put words in his mouth or any other such nonsense because his words are still there in print for us to read if we have eyes to see 
and ears to hear. So today we want to listen up and look at this story closely, a story in which an individual finds himself in the category of an outcast. The disease of leprosy in those days put one in the category of unclean. Now the definition of leprosy uh, is quite a bit different today than it was in Jesus' day. What we call leprosy today is Hansen's disease, a serious bacteria a bacterial condition that causes permanent damage to skin, nerves, limbs, and eyes. But contrary to belief, popular belief, or maybe what you heard growing up, leprosy does not cause limbs to fall off, uh, but they can become numb or diseased because of this chronic condition. But in biblical times, leprosy was a general term for a number of skin diseases and conditions. And so it could be any condition that would change the color, uh, color of the skin due to disease or infection, even things like acne or psoriasis. But really tough to be a teenager in those days, uh, I think. And these conditions weren't necessarily contagious or permanent, but did serve to set the sufferer apart. Listen to Leviticus 13. The person who has the leprous disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head be disheveled. So you could not have a good hair day if you had leprosy. It's against the rules. And he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. So just sort of cover your face and call out unclean so that people would know. And then it says, he shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. Of course, this written... Uh, as the Israelites are sort of camping on their way to the Promised Land. And our story happens in this context with this text uh, still in effect, though the people aren't living in camps anymore. Uh, these cleanliness, purity regulations of the Torah were still in effect. And so this person is for the safety of the community, quote-unquote, set apart as an outcast. But before we jump on them too much, we can look around and see, myself accepted, we're all wearing masks. We've social distanced for months, quarantined, used way too much hand sanitizer, because we're worried, right, about spreading a disease to one another. This is 2,000 years later, so we can give people 2,000 years ago, without the benefit of modern science, a little bit of a break. Right, we can give them a, a little bit of a break. But I do want us to focus in on and imagine the social ostracization and isolation that such a person would experience in being cut off from the community of faith. I'm going to focus on those aspects. Now in our case, right, we were all social distancing. We were all quarantining. But in this case, for the majority of us, I see Doug saying we weren't all doing that. All right, fair enough, fair enough. Some people never decided to wear a mask or so. That's another, that's another conversation. But in this case, right, in our story, it'd be one person or maybe a, a, a very few who were isolated and cut off. And not touched. Not touched. And we know now firsthand, right, how hard it was not to hug loved ones and friends for over a year. It was so hard. First thing many of us did after being fully vaccinated was find someone we hadn't seen and give them a big hug. Because it was hard, really hard. 
Maybe some of you aren't even ready to hug yet, and I get that. And we know how hard that is. But in that case, right, we were all sort of in it together, which made it more doable. Again, in this case, you were singled out. Others could hug, others could go to synagogue, others could join the potluck or the fish fry, but not you if you had leprosy. No hugging, no touching, no contact. And that's what makes Jesus' first move so compelling. But we'll get to that in a second. Even before that, our text says, moved with pity. Moved with pity, or other translations say, moved with compassion. Makes sense. That sounds like Jesus. But there's another way to read this, and I can't. I should remember this. I, I can't remember if it's some variant manuscripts have a different word in the Greek, or if the same word in the Greek can be translated differently. But there's another rendering in which it says, Jesus was angry or filled with indignation. But often Bibles go with the softer interpretation because that feels more like Jesus. But scholars know the more difficult translation is often the more likely to be original. But we don't want Jesus to be angry here when someone asks for a healing, when someone needs compassion. But I kind of like this translation of anger in the text because Maybe Jesus isn't angry at this person experiencing leprosy. Maybe he's angry at a society and a religious system which can take one of their own and cut them off completely and mark them out as unclean. Maybe Jesus is angry about that. And I think we can resonate with that anger, can't we? Just like when we learned a year ago that anti-LGBTQ hate groups were on the rise in this country, due in no small part to the policies and rhetoric of the previous administration. In fact, the Southern Poverty Law Center noted last year that groups that vilify the LGBTQ community represented the fastest growing sector among hate groups in 2019. And their report noted that most of the growth in these hate groups came from churches. We hear about that, we read about that, it makes us angry. Well, in our text, Jesus is angry. And he's so angry that the first thing he does is break the rules and do what? Touches the person. He touches him. He touches him. This was a huge no-no, according to the religious leadership of the time, but Jesus knows that no human is unclean, no human is outcast, no one is unwelcome before God, and he knows what a lack of human contact can do to a person. And so Jesus reaches out and touches him and then says, I do choose to heal you. But he almost didn't need to speak because his actions had already spoken so loudly just by touching. And the man is healed, and i got to think he's healed in more ways than one. But Jesus doesn't stop there. He says, go and show yourself to the priests. Go and show yourselves to the priests as a testimony to them. Now, many commentators read this as Jesus actually sort of working within the religious system of the day, uh, as the priest was the one after someone was beyond the disease, who could declare them ritually clean. 
And so maybe Jesus is still sort of honoring, working within the religious system. Uh, but a better rendering, according to scholar Ched Myers, would be, go show yourself to the priests as a testimony against them. Against them. In other words, Jesus wanted the religious hierarchy to know that he had flouted their regulations and displayed a better and more humane and sacred way. And that's why we are quiet about our welcome and full inclusion of LGBTQ persons in the UCC, and certainly not here at Holland UCC. We've been open and affirming since day one. And we're not quiet about it because we live in a very religious area, don't we? Anybody know how many churches there are in Holland? Too many. Too many. They're beyond numbering. Well, we thought we'd add one more. There's a lot. I, I Googled this and came up with uh, around 170, and that was dated, so I got to assume there's, you know, upward of that number. Probably closer to 180 today. And what percentage of those churches do you imagine are fully welcoming and inclusive of LGBTQ persons? I mean, if it was 50%, right, we would say, okay, 50%. That's pretty good. But then we would think about the other 50%. We'd say half of churches don't reflect the love of Jesus. Half of churches are not willing to welcome and embrace all of God's children, if it was 50%, we would still be filled with heartache. If it was 25% that were welcoming, we'd say, wow, but 75%, three quarters of churches are not opening their doors to all God's children? But it turns out it's something like 5% at best which means 95% of communities of faith are not reflecting the love and compassion of Jesus and the extravagant welcome of God. And so we say loudly and proudly as often as we can that no matter who you are, no matter how you identify, no matter who you love, whether you are gay or straight, trans or cisgender, or anywhere in between, you are a beloved and whole child of God. And Jesus asked this person formerly experiencing leprosy to keep things quiet, because Jesus knew folks would go crazy and he'd be under threat from the powers that be if they found out what he had done. But of course, this person had been touched by the divine. He had been informed that he, leprosy or not, was beautiful and whole, and he couldn't keep that in. He had to shout it from the rooftops. God loves me. I am loved. I belong. I am included. I am okay. Those words are life. And sometimes too hard to come by for many folks even today because they've been told otherwise by their pastor or their church. Matthew Vine, who's the author of uh, God and the Gay Christian, talks about coming out to his parents. And when he told his dad he was gay, his dad later reported to him that that was the worst day of his life. 
not the day his sister died or the day his own father died, but the day his son told him he was gay. And not an uncommon experience that Matthew had there, but hurts to hear that. And so we're here again to say with Jesus as our witness that no one is unacceptable to God. We're proud to say that the UCC was the first denomination in this country to fully ordain openly gay people in 1972. So UCC, we'd like to hear that. In 2003, we were also the first to call for full inclusion of transgender clergy and members. And the UCC was also the first Protestant denomination to recognize same-sex marriage. Slowly, sometimes too slowly, but surely, society is changing. Hearts and minds are changing. And some of us have been on that journey. Right? I've been on that journey. I heard things and teachings growing up. And I had to have God change my heart to be where I am today. So there is space for all of us to come and grow and move toward this realization. And more often than not, as our words of integration and guidance said, right, it's people living their full truth, whose commitment, whose lives, and whose beings are an unanswerable living statement of faithfulness and love. They are the ones leading the charge. Now remember Matthew Vine's dad, who said it was the worst day of his life when he found out his son was gay. Well, somewhere around a year later, his dad, who's a lawyer, told his son he wasn't renewing his membership in a national organization for Christian lawyers. And why is that? His son Matthew asked. His dad said, I no longer agree with their position on gay Christians. His dad had taken the time to learn to read, to study. He had seen his own son's life, an example, his heart had opened, and now he was making changes in his own life. And Matthew said he had to fight back tears as he gave his dad a huge hug. The man in our text was marked, dismissed, and cast out. But he, approved, he approached Jesus and said, if you choose, you can change things. Words that still reverberate and echo through the centuries down to us today. If you choose, you can change things. Well, we know what Jesus chose. May we have the courage to do the same. Amen. And may it be so. Invited to join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. streaming on Facebook. You can also watch these messages on the Holland UCC YouTube channel. And for more information, how to get involved, or to support our work, like us on Facebook or visit hollanducc.org.